Jazz Podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breiler. I was going to start by saying go blue. Chris Breiler, Brandon as Brown, always. Friday night, as always. Jesus Christ, am I starting off with an echo? Do you have one already? Sounds good to me. Testing, testing. Check one, two. No, it sounds good. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say you sound good to me. I guess, I guess whenever you have your audio issues and the echo messes up, I did, I usually don't hear it. So anyway, thanks everybody for joining us tonight on a Friday night. Is he um, staying or going, Cody? Obviously. Oh, well, I can tell you, it's it's one of the two. There's no question about. It's that. gonna be one of the two. It's and you will know the in the coming days, weeks, possibly hours, <laughs> guaranteed. Yeah. Well, okay. So we're, we're going to jump right into the Jim Harbaugh saga as it continues. And I think probably a pretty telling sign, but not a guaranteed lock stone cold sign in that they hired Mike Elston away from Notre Dame. Um, Former Michigan linebacker, obviously being, you know, being able to come back to his alma mater is a big deal, but this, it wasn't a surprise in terms of who it is or the fact that they targeted a guy like this or they wanted to replace Sean Newell with somebody bigger and better. And I do think that this is an upgrade. I like Sean Newell a lot. I yeah. talked to him personally many times, had a lot of really good things to say about him, but this is a really, really solid hire for the Michigan Wolverines. And so we are going to bring in a Notre Dame expert, Mr. Brian Driscoll. <laughs> We got some. As long as you're booing Notre Dame, I'm cool with it, right? He's not booing me, right? No, not you. No, no. Actually, we got to talk to Brian a little bit for a while before. That, the yeah, show. that's why we were, we're a little late. Thirty minutes late. Obviously, we were talking. Decent guy, but at the end of the day, he's still an Irishman over there. So that's right. You know, that's we got to right. start treating an Irishman. We got to start, like, gotta so, start treating you know. these guys the way they deserve to be treated on the show. But there, so there's Brian. Uh, me and Brian go way back, man. We worked for the same guy when we were at Rivals, and then we split off, and now we're at SI. And right. it's been a great relationship. And life has been months. so much better since we left. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. And Brian's been covering Notre Dame for about a decade. He's got some coaching experience in there. So the guy knows this stuff. If you know anything about the, the, uh, the Notre Dame community, they all think quite highly of Coach D. I don't know if everybody still calls you that. Is that that's still the Not thing? Really. Some people do. All right. Yeah. That was maybe a rivals thing, but Brian's uh Brian's a good dude. And he knows his stuff. So I brought him on. I want to talk about Mike Elston. I want to talk about how big of a deal this is. I guess we'll start kind of at the top. First of all, his name popped up a couple of days ago in the Michigan circles. I didn't really know if it was likely because I think he had the, op- I'm going to let you explain all this, but I think he had the opportunity to file to follow Brian Kelly down to LSU. He didn't. I think he's got some young kids, right? He was kind of entrenched in South mm-hmm. Bend. He's been there a long time. I mean, how surprising was this? How big of a deal is it that he uprooted everything and he's going to be in Ann Arbor now? It's a little bit of a surprise that he left. It's not a surprise that this is the job he left for. I think this is the only job he would have left Notre Dame for. I mean, Mike Elson's been at Notre Dame 12 years. He turned down a huge contract from Brian Kelly to go to LSU. And the interesting thing is he was actually in Louisiana ready to accept a contract when Notre Dame called and said, hey, we want to make it work with you. Because what happened was is when Brian Kelly left, all the national reporters were like, it's going to be Luke Fickle and all that. Everybody was saying that except for Irish Breakdown because we we kind of had a feeling it was always going to be Marcus Freeman, and we didn't listen to Dennis Dodd and those people because they don't know what they're talking about. But that's what Mike <laughs> Elson hears, right? So, like, you're, you're sitting thinking, like, I don't have a job. Well, at the time, Michigan had a D-line coach. Brian Kelly leaves to go to LSU. He wants to bring him down because Brian Kelly has took, taken Mike Elson everywhere he's gone. And we've been with Brian Kelly for 18 years, 18 yeah. straight seasons. God and bless so that he got, man. Yeah, he's been offered a huge <laughs> contract to go to LSU. But Mike Elson, more than being a football coach, takes a lot of pride in being a husband and a father. And he's got three daughters that are at that age now. We're uprooting them and moving them from South Bend, Indiana to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Was not going to be an easy thing to do. And I think at the end of the day, he, he does love Notre Dame. And he didn't want to do that to his family. I really, I don't think if any other job comes open, he takes it. I think it was a unique, and it was the timing was unique because there's a transition. He's leaving behind a really talented defensive line for whoever replaces him. I think that mattered to him 
and he wanted to leave Notre Dame better than he found it. That's just the kind of guy Mike Elson is. But when your alma mater comes calling and you have aspirations of being a head coach someday, I felt like that was just the, the perfect storm for Mike Elson because, like I said, he's turned down plenty of jobs before and pay raises before to stay at Notre Dame. I think this one was just too too good to pass up for him. Well, there's a couple good questions coming in from the viewers here. Does does he want to be a defensive coordinator? It sounds like I'm gonna, I'm going to let you break this down because th- th- I think this is rumor mill like 101. Mm-hmm. There's, I've heard that maybe he was a little miffed that it was Marcus Freeman or that maybe he and Freeman didn't quite see eye to eye or he that, felt like he should have been yeah. like what what is that the all last, about? The part about team? him and Freeman is not accurate. Him and Marcus okay. Freeman got along very well. Do I think Mike Elson wanted to be the D coordinator? Yeah, he did. I, I think he's 47 years old. He'd been at Notre Dame 12 years. And if you're Marcus, if you're Mike Elson, you're thinking, I built a D line that carried a 20 our 2012 team, which got Bob Diaco head coaching job. I built a D line that got Mike Elko promoted to AM to make him like the second highest D coordinator in college football. I built a D line that got Clark Lee an SEC head coaching job. I built a D line that got Marcus Freeman the Notre Dame job. It, I, why am I still just a D line coach? Right. Like, so I I think there was something to that. I don't think being a D coordinator is so much his goal. I think, I think coach would like to eventually be a head coach somewhere. And Brian Kelly wasn't great at getting people head coaching jobs. If Clark Lee wasn't an alum of Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt's not hiring him to be the head football coach. And that's just because, you know, Brian Kelly was all about Brian Kelly. I mean, Brian Kelly's thing was, I'm going to do Brandon, you know, I'm not a huge Brian Kelly guy. Brian Kelly's thing was always about what can I do to make Brian Kelly look good as opposed to building up his coaches. I mean, we never hear from his assistants and his coordinators and they're always supposed to do all the work and he gets all the credit. And I think that's one of those things that kept Mike Elson from really taking that next step. And I think this is an opportunity for him to kind of branch out and start to kind of create his own name and create some buzz and maybe open up an opportunity for if that right head coaching job, comes along for him absolutely well he's done quite a bit he's been a linebackers coach a d-line coach for a long time he was associate head coach he played the po- he played recruiting linebacker coordinator. Again, recruiting yeah. coordinator that was going to be the next next chapter i was going to open up let's let's do the on-field position coaching stuff first you you just named i mean he got this guy a job he got this guy a job he carried mm-hmm. this they did this how good of a d-line coach is this dude He's really good, and I think he's going to fit what Michigan does well because when I watch Michigan play, I see a defensive system that thrives on you've got to know how to play the game, right? It's it's fine that you've got talent and the scheme or all this, but you've got to know how to use your hands and you know play at the right angles and attack gaps and, and have the right leverage and hand placement and pad level and bending around the edge and all those kind of things, and he's a good defensive coach. I think the other unique thing about Mike Elson is he's coaching a lot of different schemes. You know, mm-hmm. when he was here – Early on, Bob Diaco was a pure two-gap, three-four defense, right? And then Brian Van Gorder comes along with his garbage defense, and Mike Elson <laughs> was a linebacker coach under that. Uh, coached a guy named Jalen Smith. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, Decent but he player. won this award. Okay. Mike Elson is as, as the linebacker coach. Then he goes back to the D line, and we're running a we're seeing Notre Dame run a four-two-five. Then they switch to Marcus Freeman, which is kind of a hybrid four-two-five, three-three-five. So he's coaching a lot of different types of schemes. So he brings some flexibility in that regards. And, and I think that'll, that'll help him too. But he, fundamentals are important to him. His kids play hard. Uh, they, are a, a, they are a group that play with a lot of fire. He's a very hard coach in that he's very demanding of his players. But at the same time, they respect him a lot because they know it's not just football with him. I mean, like I said, we talked about his three daughters. They make they call them sack lunches, right? It's ba- they bake cookies for all the players to get sacks, and they call them sack lunches because they have a relationship with the players. I'll tell you a story. Notre Dame just lost a kid named Kurt Heinisch who graduated. Mike Elston was not able to attend a father daughter uh, function for his daughter because he had some obligations. So one of his players took his daughter to it with wow. like you know what I mean. Like they're a family. He has his players over his house. I was told by a parent of another position group because they were kind of jealous. Mike Elson has his players over his house as long as much as the NCAA will allow him to have them at his house because he wants it to be a family, right? And so when it's that case, when I ask you to do this that you don't think you're capable of, you're going to do it because you trust me because you know it's not just football with me. And I think that's important. And and I think that's something that the Michigan players are going to really appreciate about him is it's not just do what I say and once football's over with, I don't give a rip about you. You know, he, he develops that commitment to, hey, I got your back, you have mine, and how you can have my back is doing what I ask you to do. 
So he's a good football coach, very good football coach. Well, when I, when I hear those traits mentioned, you talk about the family stuff, his daughter's doing this, the player's doing stuff for his kids, and he's a, you know just going to bat for his guys mm-hmm. and caring about them on a bigger level. There's the recruiting side. I mean, right. if you can do those things, you build relationships. He sounds like a relationship guy. How is he as a recruiter? Strong. I mean, he's he's very organized, very detail oriented. You know, he he doesn't have that real charismatic personality okay. that you're just going to walk in a room like, "Ooh, I want to play for this guy." He's a guy that it takes time to build that trust, to build that connection. And what's helped him in the last five years is he's produced results. I mean, yeah. we we talk about this, but you know, Notre Dame had a stigma for a long time that we know Notre Dame doesn't put a lot of D linemen in the NFL. For a long time, they didn't. Well, if you look at the 2018 Notre Dame team that went and played in the college football playoff. They now have six guys from that defensive line that are in the NFL right now. Five of them got drafted. And the only reason it's only five is because three of those guys from that rotation are still at Notre Dame. <laughs> you know, when you look at Myron Tungvaloa, Mosa, and Kurt Heinis, who are about to get drafted, and then Jason Adam who's coming back for a fifth year. Mm. Well, I mean, he literally, his entire two deep at defensive end in that game, all got drafted in either the first, third, or fifth round. You know, so when you can go into a room and say, oh, by the way, that last playoff or well, now two playoff teams ago, uh, yeah, our entire two deeps in the NFL now. Just thought <laughs> you'd throw that out there. And then last year's playoff team, the same is going to be said next year because your two deep was Dalen Hayes and Adi, Adi Takumba Ogandiji who got drafted. And now Myron Tugvaloa is about to get drafted. And uh, he played in this year. And then you've got uh, Isaiah Foskey, who's probably going to be a first round pick next year. So he's going to be able to say the same again. And I mean, that's a great selling point because in the end of the day, the relationships matter and all stuff matters. At the end of the day, kids that are looking at Notre Dame and Michigan, they want to go play in the NFL. Yeah. That's what really matters at the end of the day. And he's going to be able to look, Hey, you ever heard of Stefan to it? Yeah. That's my guy. Yeah. I coached Stefan to it. Right. I mean, you're going to be able to have those different things that you can point to because that's going to be the, the biggest selling point for you. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, here's the million-dollar question, and I don't know how good you could answer this, Brian. I know you're not inside Mike Elston's head. Nobody's inside Jim Harbaugh's head. Good God, we, me and Chris have talked about, like, what a scary place that might be if you if you could even get in there. But would, <laughs> would you want to get in there? Yeah, exactly. exactly. I'd, go in. I'd go in and look around a little bit. Would Mike Elston take this job unless he was, like, 100% sure Jim Harbaugh was going to be the head coach? Because we still think – there's this extension out there. If you believe all the insider people that he's just, there's an extension just waiting for Jim Harbaugh to sign and he has not signed it. And the Raiders play tomorrow. And I know for a fact that there's mutual interest between the Raiders and between Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. What's the holdup? I mean, if you just, you don't even need to be an insider. You can read the tea leaves and see how this thing is playing out to know that he's kind of waiting, to, waiting for some final word from the Raiders or from the NFL. So or, what all this or, mean? Or he's paying Michigan back a little bit for how they dragged him out last year. He wouldn't do it. Would somebody really do that? A competitive guy? Let me me ask a question. A dude (laughs) as competitive as Jim Harbaugh? Hell to the yes. But here's the problem with that. It wasn't Michigan dragging him out last Uh year. It was Jim because he wanted to go to the pros last year, too, and nobody wanted him. They wanted to take some money away from him and all this other kind of crap. And the president wasn't happy with some things. So, yes, I think it's a little bit of payback for Jim Harbaugh for kind of the, the, the slaps in the face he got last year. But I, I do think there's genuine interest in him going to the NFL. And I I think that Mike Elson feels comfortable that that Jim Harbaugh's coming back, but I, he was not given assurances. I think this is a move that he wanted to make. And I think that it's like, look, if Jim Harbaugh doesn't want to come here, then, you know, or if Jim Harbaugh wants to leave, I'm still going to Michigan, you know, because the next head coach is going to want me here because I bring a lot of value, which he does. But, uh, you know, I don't think Jim Harbaugh guaranteed him anything. I do think Jim Harbaugh has been open and honest about he's interested in the NFL, but I think he also understands that it'd have to be one heck of an offer for him to leave. It's not just that, Hey, you come be our head coach. I think Jim Harbaugh is going to want to be the head coach and make a lot of money and, you know, have a little bit of a say in, in what's going on and not every NFL team's willing to give him all that. Yeah. I think this is, I think it's just really simple as like Jim Harbaugh's the coach right now. He knows that there's a really strong chance he's still the coach at this time next week and into the season. So let me kick ass at my job right now and hire Mike Elston. I mean, like that's that's what it feels like to me. Right. It's the same thing with his recruiting visits that he's getting ready to go on the weekend that they're about to have. Like, it, I, it, I think it's I think it says more about his desire to come back that he tried to hire Mike Elston as opposed to assurances Mike Elston might have gotten. 
Okay. I, I think I don't think you're I don't think you're trying to go into Notre Dame's backyard and steal their most loyal assistant. You I don't even know if you try that if you've got one foot out the door. Okay. I don't I just you know again, does it can anything happen? Sure. Anything can happen. I've learned you guys we've all learned in this business, you don't ever take anything for granted. If I, I would have told you say, on November 28th that hey, guess what? Brian Kelly's gonna be the next head coach at LSU. <laughs> you guys, yeah. man, I don't know what you've slipping in that cup over there, but pass some of that over my way because that right. sounds like it's a fun party. You know, um <laughs> this in this business, man, who knows? Well, we're talking conventional wisdom and Jim right. Harbaugh, and those right. two things together are, are like oil and water. So yeah, it seems like he's coming back, but man, if there's a real nice offer out there in the NFL, I'm just you know, there, there seem to be a lot of people that are pretty sure he's coming back, and I'm not one of them. Yeah, so we'll see, man. I mean, tomorrow, like I said, the Raiders play the, the Bengals tomorrow at 4.30. The Raiders are, uh, I think, a touchdown underdog in that game, and there's not a lot of people who think Rich Bisaccia, the interim, is going to keep that job regardless. Like they, A lot of people really think, like, unless he goes to a Super Bowl, he's out. And I, like, I don't really understand that line of thought, but it's the NFL is kind of a weird place. And so we'll we'll see what that ends up looking like. I guess last but not least, man, like Michigan's defense, this is another thing. Michigan's defense was really, really good this year. Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo. We're not a hundred percent sure, like how much of that was Sean Nua as the D line coach. How much of that was scheme from Mike McDonald? How much of that was George Hilo as the linebackers coach? Mike McDonald also has a extensive linebacker background. Does Mike Elston have a specialty, and like where will we see the impact of him in year one the most? You know, I think something he's done a good job with in his career is being able to get depth in it going. You know, he he's going to – I mean, Notre Dame's – the joke we kind of have is we kind of stop paying attention to who's on the field, right, mm -hmm. when we're talking about Notre Dame's D-line because they just – they throw waves at you. And he does a great job of of getting his entire group ready to play, mentally, assignment-wise, technical, technically speaking, all those type of things. I think he's good at – and I'm going to take what you do and I'm going to build around that strength of yours. So if you've got a guy that's a great pass rusher, guess what? We're going to build around that while also trying to say, but we need to make you a more complete player. That's a big thing for Mike Elson is we're going to build around your strengths, but we're also going to improve your weakness. Right. And so we want to make you a complete player. And I think that's the thing he's been able to do. And, you know, the interesting thing is it's easy to look at David Ajabo and Hayden Hutchins and say, yeah, they're good players. Just look at the numbers. He does such a good job, in my opinion, of getting the other guys to do their to do the dirty work, right? Like know your role, accept it, and be great at it. And, and I think that's something. So you're going to sometimes be like, man, this guy makes like no plays, but he's just such an important piece to this, and he's able to get guys to buy into that. And and I think he his guys play with a lot of energy. I mean, they play with a lot of emotion, a lot of fire, and that's something I think on, on a team that otherwise doesn't normally do that because of. Brian Kelly's let's be business-like and go about our business and all this other nonsense Brian Kelly used to do. <laughs> so, you know, his guys played with a lot of fire. So, look, he's just a good football. Is he is he an elite, like, oh, my gosh, this guy's so engaged? No, that's not him. But at the end of the day, no matter what the numbers look like, you're going to look at the D-line and say, well, they, they did their job today. They played hard today, you know, and they played a lot of guys. Yeah. I think that's another thing that Mike Elson likes is he wants to have – he wants to throw weights because he understands – my D end in, in the fourth quarter, I want him working on his legs being on snap 40, not snap 70. Yeah. Right. And, and that's when we're going to get those big wins. And we saw this with Michigan Notre Dame back in 2018, right? Michigan starts coming back. It gets down to one point game, but then in the fourth quarter, the Notre Dame D line just took the game over. And yeah, quarterbacks were in trouble. You know, in right. Quarter. I mean, and so that's just kind of, that's, we've seen that with his lines over and same thing happened that year against Pitt, you know, Pitt's got a chance to win the game and, Khalid Kareem was like, no, nah, not today. Sorry, I got you. And that's something that you look and say, why is the D-line guys always making the big plays? Mm. Looking in the Fiesta Bowl, you know, Notre Dame needs a stop. Oklahoma State's about to go with a score that's going to put that game away. Isaiah Foskey strips the quarterback. You know, Isaiah Foskey, yeah, he had 11 and a half sacks, but he also led the nation in forced fumbles. Mm. Because one thing that Notre Dame works on is he doesn't go for the big hit on the quarterback. He was taught by Mike Elson to say, when you get around that edge, you see that right-handed quarterback, you're coming with, uh, you know, you're going to go for the tackle and the strip. I mean, that's yeah. something that you're taught to do. Uh, we saw it in Clemson last year in the overtime. You know, Clemson gets the ball, Notre Dame needs to stop. What happens? Dalen Hayes, Adi Ogundiji, back-to-back sacks, ball game. You know, so the, the D-line have made money plays for Notre Dame for years. And I, I don't think you can say it's in spite of Mike Elson, right? I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. 
I'd like to say so because he's at Michigan now. So screw him. <laughs> he was a terrible coach and they only won on talent. But if I'm going to be honest with you, I mean, it's there's a reason it was always the D line making those plays. All right. Very last thing. Quick answer. If you've got it, if you were quick giving, answer, if you were, well, this, it's it's a pretty easy, fast answer. You know here. me better than that. I, on, I do. Man. I do. Brian can talk, man. We've had some long phone conversations in the over the years. <laughs> I was on the pre-show. I'm aware. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been here. If you were going to give Mike Elston an overall rating, like in Madden, zero to one hundred, where are you putting? Where are you putting Mike Elston's overall score? Zero to one hundred. I'm going like I'm probably going ninety. You know, okay. it was a Madden score. The intangibles wow. are there. The technique yeah. is there. The production's there. Not the greatest athlete. Not the sexiest <laughs> guy. Uh, but he's going to get the job done. So it's been a while since I played Madden. So I'm going to go like eighty-eight to ninety. You know, that's, I think, how I, I think that's, that's almost how I describe myself. Not the yeah. sexiest guy, <laughs> but I'm going to get the job done. Right. Kind there of. you have that's it. That's not my business. That's your business. <laughs> Absolutely great stuff from Brian on Mike Elston. I, like I said, I mean, it's a big deal. A lot of Michigan fans certainly, I mean, they love the Michigan man thing. Mm -hmm. It's not my favorite thing. I'm not going to lie. I, I think they, they pigeonhole themselves a little bit, but this one seems like a good one. Yeah, Mike Hart seems like a good one. Yeah. Ron Bellamy seems like a good one. I mean, when you've got guys that are good and they also happen to be Michigan dudes, then it works out. I, I just, I get a little worried sometimes when that's like all they look at, but I think Mike Elston checks just about every box you're looking for. So Brian, thanks so much, man, for the time. We'll have to do this again. We'll have to do this again if it comes up and, and we've got, uh, some other things to talk about sounds like later on in the week. That's why we were late to get going here. Let's blame it on Brian. He's the Notre Dame guy. We'll blame it on him. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll take that. Bring it. There you have it. Thanks a lot, Brian. We'll see you soon. See you guys. See you. All right. Well, dude, I mean, I didn't know a ton about Mike Elston. I mean, when I heard his name pop up, I started doing the research, looking into him a little bit, you know, remember remembering that he played at Michigan. He wasn't like a big, big time player. I think he was a big time get like coming out of high school. He was viewed as like this superstar kind of guy. A little bit. And then when he got to Michigan, I don't think he was like crazy, crazy productive. But like Brian just rattled off there, I mean, all the success he's had, the longevity, he's been with Brian Kelly, who's been a, you know, a, 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 a ladder climbing coach since he's been at Central Michigan back when I was there, right? Fire up chips. It was not intentional to wear that shirt just so I could make that point. But Mike Elston's been with him for a long time. And when you're with one coach who's had a lot of success for a long time, I mean, it, it speaks to how good you are at your job. So I, I, Chris, I mean, you didn't ask a lot of questions there. I know I kind of dominated the, uh, the airwaves there for a little bit. So what, what are your thoughts on what Brian had to say about Elston and like, did it change anything about what you thought when you heard the name, when you knew that he was coming, when you know that he's there? I mean, what, what are your thoughts now? Full disclosure. I'm a little less excited. Really? After, after hearing some of that. Now I, I like, you know, I like the fact that he's good at teaching like the technical side of things and, and, and doing the little things. Well, I like all of that, but I also think that over the last year, Michigan made a concerted effort to sort of build up their coaching staff defined on a certain type of person where they're younger, there's more diversity there. And it seemed like that improved the vibe. And so as soon as he said something to the effect of like, you asked him how he was on the recruiting trail and it was like, well, he's not the kind of guy that's going to walk into the room and like garner <laughs> attention. Like when, when, when clink scale walks into the vicinity, like, you know, clink scales walking in when Mike Hart walks in, you know, Mike Hart's walking in. Like, it seems like, the heavy hitting recruiters on the Michigan staff, they have that. The fact that he doesn't have that, I don't know how concerning it is, but look, if the Michigan defensive line goes out and performs the way you want him to perform, I don't care if he's got swag, drip, whatever it is. Yeah. If he can get the job done from a coaching standpoint, that's that's really what you hope uh, you hope for. So we'll see, I guess. I that's will where say I that, walk away from. I will say this to that point. Um, and I don't, I don't disagree with your sentiment and I, I haven't, I have never talked to Mike Elston. I don't know what his personality is like. He's been really good as a recruiter at Notre Dame. He's landed some big fish for them, not just on the D-line either. He's recruited guys from his area. He recruited Jalen Smith. He recruited um, Blake Fisher. He recruited guys along the defensive line. He's an Ohio guy, so he knows the Midwest. He's been around the Midwest for a really long time. I think I'm he not saying he's a square. Don't misconstrue what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I'm saying no, no. What, I, what I heard concerned me a little bit. Look, Brian, Brian knows about him as, as well as anybody out yeah. there. I mean, I, I trust every single word Brian just said. Sounds and so like a nice, good says, guy, like, a good, solid coach. If he says, like, you know, he, he's he's not going to light up the room when he comes in. That's that's fine. You, look, look, 
doesn't have to think of an example of on Michigan's Michigan staff. That's done a good, I like say what you want about like Jay Harbaugh. He he's not like a light up the room guy. He's more of a chill guy, super yeah. organized about his business. Really smart. Going to be able to teach you and show you Hilo. a lot. Hilo is not going to light up a room, right? I you know, like I've been in the vicinity with Hilo. Like it, you don't get the same impression from Hilo that you get from some of these other guys. It's not, it's not like a, a definable quality. It's like right. it's a certain something that you have and, you either got it or you don't. Yeah, and and I, you know, look, again, I like Sean Nua for a lot of reasons. I talked to him personally a lot of times. He didn't have a ton of success on the recruiting trail. Like, he didn't do an awesome job. Very likable guy. Extremely likable dude. Yeah. Does he have a light-up-the-room quality about him? I He might. I thought he was pretty big, dude. pretty personal, pretty <laughs> jovial, big dude, big smile, big personality. Okay. That doesn't mean you're a great recruiter. Right. So, like, that's kind of the point here. I mean, like, you know, Mike Elston's been billed as a good recruiter, and I think most people who are plugged in and know the ins and outs of what he's going to do and compared to what Sean Nua did, they think he's going to be better at just about everything than Sean Nua was. So, you know, I think I think that's noteworthy. You heard Brian give him the 90 score. That's pretty high. That's pretty high. I mean, I got J.J. JJ up at high for Chris Ryler, but it's pretty high. You know, it's pretty good. <laughs> um, I do want to switch gears when we, when we get done with this, I think Michael, when when Glikowski asks a, a great question here and I saw it pop up on social media late last night. And I was curious if you heard it, what your thoughts were. Is it what I have on the screen right there? Correct. Yeah. What, what Andre had to say, I think he posted it on Twitter last night. Andre Selden, who now has announced that he will transfer to New Mexico. Is it New Mexico State? I think it's mm -hmm. New Mexico State. The Aggies, correct. He tweeted out, um, this was 19 hours ago. No, I didn't want to leave my brothers at Michigan, but imagine in the workplace your boss telling you it's impossible to get a promotion no matter how good you do your job. Things were out of my control there. That's pretty interesting. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what that means. It doesn't sound um, like he leaving Michigan was his preference. It sounds no. like he felt like his hand was forced there. No, I, um, you know, he's undersized. He's, he's going to carry that stigma everywhere he goes. He's about, you know, he's gen generous, gen generously listed at five, eight. Um, but he can run. He's put together. He's physical. He's sticky in coverage. He's got good Scrappy. ball skills. He's fast as hell. I thought he would. I thought he would find a way on the field. I did. I thought with the way that offenses work nowadays, where you've got to have a a guy just like I just explained, sticky, fast, physical, can run, can play the ball as a nickel. I thought he would be able to find his way onto the field at some point. It didn't happen. It's it, you know they kind of moved Dax Hill there. Now it looks like Rod Moore might be there. Maybe it's Cody Jones. And by the way. He's bigger. They're bigger than Andre Selden, but Dax Hill, Cody Jones, and Rod Moore are not big dudes. None of them. I th you know, Rod Moore might be 5'10", a buck 70. Not a big guy. So you don't have to be really big at that position, which is why I thought he might be able to find a role, but he couldn't. Yeah. That's he, a big he, change going out to New Mexico, and obviously it sounds like that's not really what he wanted. Right. Uh, well, here's what I'll say. I mean, when, when it comes to that comment specifically, you know, my thoughts on those comments, I don't like – I don't like that it, there's so much ambiguity there. I don't like that you you have to play, you know, a guessing game as to what he's talking about, who he means. I mean, I think if you're going to come out on social media and just say something, just say, you know, say whatever the issue was, because I think now it's going to lead to speculation. Like, is it Harbaugh? Who was the coach? What was the issue? Well, I'm can I, can time, I, out, I, time out. I'm getting an echo. I'm going to hop out. I'll be back in. Okay. I'll wait for Chris to come back, but I can, I can shed some light on that. Um, you know, as a, as an in-state kid, Andre Selden is somebody that I covered really closely. He's right up the road at Belleville. Um, he committed to Michigan early, so he was a kid I, I formed a pretty good relationship with. I got to know his dad pretty well, and he and his dad, his dad and I talked still. I texted him as soon as I saw the news. Um, you know, how how did this go down? Like, is everything cool? Like, and I tweeted about it. I said, Dre is someone I'll always pull for. Yeah. He's a scrapper. He's a dog. He's he's always been counted out a little bit because he's on the small side. He's easy to pull for. You want guys like that to, to beat the odds and succeed. And again, I got to know him pretty well, and I knew him since he was in like ninth or 10th grade being at Belleville, local kid. And his dad told me that everything was good at Michigan. 
Harbaugh, everything was good with him. Harbaugh said, you can come back. Like that, that was told to Andre Seldon from Jim Harbaugh that you can come back, gave his blessing, said, look around, do whatever you want to do. If you want to come back, you can. So, cause I was curious about that. I was curious about exactly what Chris just brought up, yeah, what yeah. these comments really mean. I, I don't think it's necessarily like ill will or malicious or that he hates Michigan now, or that it was a vindictive comment. I think it was just a transparent moment. He was being real. He's probably said like, look, you're not going to play. Yeah. You know, and maybe Andre thought that was unfair because we saw clips of him in practice making plays. I've talked to his dad before he's been making plays, but he's not on the field when it counts. So that can be frustrating for a player. They want to play, man. They want to be on the field. Now going out to New Mexico state, is not going to be the same experience as being at Michigan, but if it puts them on the field, allows right. them to put some good tape together, that's what it's really all about. So yeah. yeah, it is kind of an interesting thing. The comments were interesting, but I think it was, you know, for the most part on the up and up, it's just, it's cutthroat, man. It's tough business out there. If you're not playing, you leave. And it's easier to leave now than ever. And you can go play somewhere right away and try to make some waves. And I hope he does. I hope he does awesome out there in New Mexico and finds his way on a draft board someday. I don't know, man. Like I said, I he's the kind of kid that you can pull for that hopes you hope he can beat the odds because he is small. Because he's always yeah, going to be yeah. looked at. And the first thing you're going to say about him is he's too short. And so, it, you know. Maybe as a former small kid, I just I have a soft spot for that. I don't know, man. I was a tiny kid, dude. I want just people like that to, to, to thrive. Listen, and I don't want there to be any confusion. I'm I'm pulling for this guy. I, I liked Andre Seldon. I was excited when when it you know it, the news came that he was coming to Michigan. But I mean, I just think like I go back to the social media stuff. I you know again it leaves questions. Like I'm not. It's like when yeah. somebody goes to social media and just says what a terrible day. Like now you've got people saying, <laughs> well, what the hell happened? Why is it so terrible? Yeah. Like all you want to do is ask more questions. So I get it, man. These are kids. They get frustrated, and at the end of the day, it's a business decision. And if going to New Mexico State's going to get him on the field, you and I both know. We talked about this with Dylan McCaffrey. Like I, I originally, I was like, well, of course Dylan McCaffrey is going to transfer to like a big D one school. He's going to want to be in the spotlight. But at the end of the day, if you're a quarterback that wants to get to the NFL, or if you're an athlete that wants to get to the NFL, the pathway isn't always through a D one power five program. There's a Not lot of all. pathways to the NFL. I mean, it's like one of the most famous statements of, you know, that ever comes out around draft time. If, if you're good, they'll find you. That's They'll what it is. Him. If yeah. you're good, they will find you. There's plenty of dudes in the NFL who played for schools you and I have never even heard of before. And, you know, some of them get drafted pretty high. It's all about putting good tape together, showing that you do things that translate. Obviously, your numbers matter on some level. And yes, dude, Dre is going to be knocked for being short. It doesn't matter. He's always going to have that knock. Yeah. But there, there's, you know, they're like the average height for starting cornerbacks in the NFL is like 5'10. It, it's not 6'2, like, you know, when you see these corners coming out of high school and you see that they're six, like Will Johnson. Will yeah. Johnson is not the typical build for an NFL starting cornerback. Yeah, there are some big ones, but the average height for those guys is like 5'10". So Dre's not that far off that mark. And again, if you can run, if you're physical, if you play smart, you're good in coverage. He's also been good at returning before. I don't know. I think he's going to find a spot. I think he'll do fine out there. I hope he does. Um, yeah, I mean, that's like a very extreme example, Michael, right there. Chris Hogan played lacrosse and became a wide receiver in the NFL. <laughs> That's not your typical route, but it, do, it does happen. Yeah. And again, I see Trevor in there making a comment about the portal, giving kids chances to make an impact immediately elsewhere. Let's not forget Jim Harbaugh was one of the first coaches to publicly push for that rule to go Absolutely. away. Uh, you know, the, the sit out and lose a year of eligibility rule. He wanted that to be gone immediately because he, he was did. using it. He was, yeah. you know, clearly he was going to the portal for his quarterbacks. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I actually had forgot kind of about that. I mean, you know, n not to disparage, the, but like it, it wasn't like a huge news wave when it broke, like Andre Seldon's transferring. Like, you know, again, I know that kid personally, yeah. so it caught my attention. But he hasn't, you know, he hadn't found a role at Michigan. So you hope he finds one at New Mexico State. And it's a great experience for him because it's a big change. Talking about a Detroit kid going to Michigan. Now he's going out to New Mexico to play for a team that's been pretty bad like really bad historically. Um, there won't it, be there won't be one hundred and ten thousand people in the stands in New Mexico. I feel like I saw this and I didn't realize it when he transferred out there. Yes, Jerry Kill is now the head coach at New Mexico State. Wow. Okay, I like yeah. that. I like. I didn't that. know. I think he. I think he's just. Is he just now there? 
Yeah, he's he's zero and zero as head coach. He's this will be his first season. I mean, the only reason he left Minnesota was the heart condition, right? So yeah, I mean, he, he was doing really well there. He's he's been kind of a beloved guy. A lot of a lot of players love him. A lot of coaches love coaching yeah. for him, and he's got a pretty good overall record. He's been solid where he's been the last couple of years. He was um, at TCU. He was at TCU. He was the interim head coach for a while there, and now he's the head coach at New Mexico State. So. Hopefully he does really well out there. He'll he'll do better, I think, than than New Mexico State has typically done, and maybe Andre Seldon will be a part of that. So there you go, yeah. there you go, Chris. What's Jim Harbaugh doing? What's he doing, man? I think he's taking his sweet ass time, and I think he's really interested how things are going to play out on Saturday. And I think I think if the Raiders win, you probably see a decision. I think one way or another, a decision gets made next week. I, I just can't see. I can't foresee another week of this right things yeah. just have to get done at this point and i think i think if the raiders is is a legitimate destination i think we should know something about it next week and i think if the raiders win and continue to move on i think that's just further confirmation that he's coming back to michigan but i i agree with what john u bacon said look the, the, there's a lot of positive things happening if you're in the camp where you want jim harbaugh to come back the hire that he's making some of the things that he's he's said on various radio interviews it sounds like that's where things are leaning but at the end of the day this is a business and if things mm -hmm. change dramatically out in las vegas and they come hard for jim harbaugh <laughs> don't, don't. And they go after Jim Harbaugh pretty hard, pretty hard. I think uh, I gotta, I gotta try I, to tip, <laughs> massage the teed a little bit. My new, one of my new favorite drops right there. We've I got forgot. three. <laughs> massage the teed. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> oh, so these, can you believe all this is? I think show number ninety-five. Those are the first two uh, drops of you and I. That's crazy. It, it is crazy. A, it took us a year to get our own. Well, where? what was I saying? What was I saying about Jim uh, Harbaugh? Going back to, I don't know, man. <laughs> I lost it now. I just think, look, it's a business. Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> it was such a great question by me. You can't even answer it right now. It's awful. What a terrible show this is. Nah, we're good. I will say this. All right. So I think it was maybe Angelique or somebody put, put out on social media today that the Michigan assistant coaches were at a coach's clinic along with Mike Elston. So that's, again, confirmation yeah. broken by your boy. Thank you. I will say it. Nobody else will. That's, that's not, fine. That's not what I heard. And you or can check the timestamps. Well, Mike Elston coming to Michigan, broken by me, whatever. It's fine. Um, He's, he's there. He's, he's, He's in Michigan. He's here. He's with the other coaches. There was a coaches clinic. A buddy of mine who coaches was there. All the Michigan coaches were there. All the Michigan state coaches were there. Mel Tucker was there. He apparently sucked. That's that's from my buddy. Says he needs to take some public speaking classes because it was brutal, which I thought was funny, and I thought Michigan fans would like to hear that. Take um, that. Jim Harbaugh not there. Jim Harbaugh was not at the coaches clinic that a lot of other coaches, including head coaches, were at. So there you go. I mean, again, he's I don't know. He doesn't mean anything. With his family, though. He's down in Houston with his family, right? Yeah. The Bear Bryant Ward or whatever. Is he still the there? Was. That was a couple days ago. I But I thought they were going to hang out for a while. Okay. That's well, probably why Mel Tucker wasn't there, because they're only interested in talking to some of the top-tier coaches. <laughs> it was my understanding of how this event worked. Yeah. So Mel so, Tucker's got a lot of free time on his hands right now. I, I've said this a bunch of times. Like, Jim Harbaugh is going to – he's going to get word at some point you know, what, what the move might be from the Raiders. And I think it, it could happen every, it could happen any minute of any day where he could get wind that, you know what? The Raiders are sticking with Basaccia. It's done. It's over. And at that moment, he should sign his contract that could happen at any moment. So the fact that that's not happening means that he, you know, I still think just like you said, regardless of the recruiting visits, regardless of the big visit weekend, regardless of the Mike Elston hire, he is waiting and listening to what the Raiders are going to do. He has been promised that he will be able to have a discussion about that with Mark Davis and with the brass of the Raiders. I believe that in my heart of hearts, and that's not a personal thing. I, I believe that in my heart of hearts. And I also say, I think Jim Harbaugh will be back at Michigan. I think that's the most likely scenario. Even if the Raiders, let's say the Raiders lose tomorrow, they part ways with Bisaccia, they throw Vegas, they, they throw Harbaugh an offer. 
there's still a chance he turns that down. And he likes what he's got at Michigan, and he's coming back, and he's got a better deal, and, and they keep and, it moving. So here's the thing: though. it's the, more likely that he's at Michigan because that's the easiest. That's the easiest thing. That's the easiest but, path. Right, but the flip side is he's not. He's not going to feel bad. And I'm not saying this is what you're suggesting, but the fact that he made what, generally speaking, seems like a good hire as part of the defensive staff, he's not going to feel bad if he leaves Michigan after making a good hire at yeah. the University of Michigan. Because at this point. And I don't know, I you know, it's pure speculation, but you and I have talked about it enough. I think if Jim Harbaugh does leave, I think Michigan promotes from within. And so I there think that is. staff is going to stay largely the same. And if Jim Harbaugh wants to bring more good coaches to Michigan, knowing that that's probably going to be the move, like a guy like Mike Hart or a guy like Mike McDonald or whoever it could be, I think stacking the deck and making sure you've got a good coaching staff there is a good move for Jim Harbaugh, regardless of whether or not you're going to go or stay, because you don't want to leave the people in Michigan pissed off. You want to leave a good taste in everybody's mouth. I was going to say that exact same thing because of the timing of everything, because there's not a lot of options out there. If Jim Harbaugh does leave, I think you have a stop gap year with a promotion from within, in which case you don't get, you, you don't get a, you know, a house cleaning. Like when right. you have, you know, some coaching changes where the whole staff is wiped out. So the new coach can bring in his guys. You're not going to see that. You're not going to see that at Michigan because I do think exactly what Chris just said is the most likely scenario. It's Gaddis, it's Hart, it's McDonald, it's whoever it is. I think that means the whole entire staff will stay together and then you just you fill one spot. So if it's Josh Gaddis who gets promoted to be the head coach, he goes out and finds a new OC or a new wide receivers coach and you keep it moving and everybody else stays put and everybody else keeps the same job. And so that's why I it's what I it's I've been saying it for over a week now. The outcome of the, I said it before when they were getting ready to play the Chargers. I said the outcome of that Raiders game is huge. They ended up winning. They make the playoffs. So guess what? The outcome of the Raiders game is still huge. I think that ultimately is what it's going to be about. I mean, how long though, how long do you think they will kick the can down the road? I mean, if the Raiders keep winning, like how many more weeks can it go? You know, before at some point, even though Jim Harbaugh is currently under contract, you know, there, there really is no sense of urgency, but he's not going to coach the new season on the current contract. Everybody knows that. Well, I just don't, I don't see how long you can kick the can down the road before it's like, at some point it's like, Hey man, like if you're coming back, like we, we got to know you're coming back here. Otherwise it's clear what's, ha- it's already clear what's happening, but the longer it goes on, the clearer it becomes that there is a serious effort to try to get out. I think uh, I think it'll go as long as it needs to go. I think it'll go as long as is as long as it needs to go until there's finality with the Raiders. Yeah, and like well. like I said, that first point that I made is that you know like if if the Raiders win tomorrow and they beat the Bengals, like that might be enough for the Raiders people to be like, we're keeping this guy. Yeah. Sorry, Jim. I'm glad you waited for us a little bit, but it's it's a wrap. You can go ahead and and finish up what you need to finish up. I think that's I think every game they win that becomes more realistic obviously but there's a lot of people around that Raiders circle that that like literally think unless it's a Super Bowl that they're not going to keep Bisaccia even though I think that might ripple have some ripple effects and piss some people off because a lot of players like him and a lot of the other staff members like him it sounds like he could be on his way out as soon as their season is over um so if they lose tomorrow obviously that speeds everything up by a lot they lose tomorrow. You're talking about Saturday night at eight o'clock. Do they make a move or make a decision that night? Do they do it on a Sunday or do we wait till Monday when the business week starts back up? And by then Jim Harbaugh is on a plane to Vegas to talk to Mark Davis and them. I don't know, man. I don't know if that's how it's going to go, but all of that seems to make a lot of sense for what it looks like right now. I mean, even, with, it, even it, with all the stuff going on. It's Friday at eight up. o'clock. It's Friday at eight o'clock. How, how long ago was Michigan season over with? We're two weeks removed now. Oh right? Yeah. Yeah, so, and this and this thing could have been done after Ohio State. I mean, that, right? That, that's yeah. why even if you wanted to wait until the end of the season, where there was some finality, there there has been plenty of time. Like it's clear now; it has to be clear. Like, what else? Could, what else is it? What else could it be? I I don't. You know, I respect Brian. I've known him for I, Jim Harbaugh is not just doing this to piss people off or make. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I don't, I don't that buy that for a second. No, I don't buy no, that I, for a second. I, like I, I go back to I, again. I think 
John U. Bacon's assessment is the most accurate to come out so far, that there's maybe two people that know what's happening, and that's Jim and Sarah, and everybody else is trying to guess. But the idea that he's trying to leverage something or that he's playing games with Michigan, I don't see that being the case. I think the dude is genuinely just curious what's going to be available out in Vegas. Yeah, and, CJ and, and, I I know for a fact that Jim yeah. Harbaugh and Mark Davis have not spoken to each other yet. In fact, I don't think they can. I don't think the, the Raiders can do that yet. They actually, they might be able to with college coaches. I could be wrong about that. I could be wrong. I think they can talk to college coaches. It's not the same thing as talking to other NFL coaches. But, they're dude, they're in a playoff run, and they've got a guy coaching right now, so it just doesn't make any sense to do that. Can you at least say you know – but but – Davis has thoughts on Jim Harbaugh, correct? Yeah. At least from yes. what you've heard. There, there's a high sense of confidence there from, from Mark Davis that if if he wants Jim Harbaugh, he can get him, right? Is that the general That's feeling? That's the better way to say it. It's not that he's option number one and like, oh, if we want Harbaugh, or or, or I'm sorry, he's we want we Harbaugh. Need, right. It, I have not been told once by anybody that Jim Harbaugh is the top option for the Raiders. I have not been told that. So that's a that's another moving part that makes me think Michigan's the most likely. And Adrian, dude, you don't you don't know that. You you yeah, cannot that's... say that he's not leaving. If he's not leaving, then the paper signed and this is done a week ago or two weeks ago or a month ago when they beat Ohio State or when they beat Iowa or when they were getting ready for the playoffs. Or or if you're that. if you're still sorting things out at this point, that's that shows that you're still not on the same page at this point, which is concerning given the fact that there are other jobs available, other premium jobs in the NFL. I wanted to tweet this out today, but I didn't. I saw that Kirk Ferentz just signed a big, long, new extension. I'm like, ah, <laughs> legal process must be faster in Iowa too, man. It's really fast everywhere else. It's real slow in Michigan. There's a lot of hurdles, a lot of red tape, a lot of lawyer talk that has to get taken care of. That legal process in Michigan, let me tell you, it's a bear. No, dude, he's waiting for something. I still think the most likely is that he's back at Michigan. But if you if you're flat out saying he ain't leaving, you guys are idiots. That's just what you want. But here's that's the thing. Here's here's also reality. the thing about Adrian's comment is that even the insiders from the Michigan side who have who claim to be plugged in, haven't they already asserted that that the deal from Michigan side is done and ready done. and and ready. just awaiting a signature? So again, even if you are listening to the most pro Michigan insiders who want Jim Harbaugh to come back, they're still saying from Michigan side, the deal's out there. It's, it's, it's just waiting for Jim Harbaugh's ink. So that's, that's not true. It's not that a few things, yes, a few things need to be sorted out in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Between Jim Harbaugh, Mark Davis, the Raiders in the NFL, that's what needs to be sorted out. You are correct. Adrian. Sure. On that. <laughs> and like, you can say like with a lot of confidence, like he ain't leaving, he ain't leaving. And you might end up being right. Sure. I, like I would bet money on you being right. But if you're saying that and you don't give any credence or any validity to the NFL stuff, you're, you're just not being you're, I don't know. You just have the wool over your eyes or something. I don't know. You're not looking at the big picture in, in the way that it needs to be looked at. It's, it's an emotional very, very response clear. because you don't want him to leave. You yeah, that's all. Good. That's, that's all fine. That's fine. Cool. I mean, but. Dude, I didn't, I didn't believe that. that Dale Earnhardt could ever lose a race, but guess what? Dale Earnhardt lost races. Okay. He lost races. I didn't ever go into a race believing Dale Earnhardt was going to lose, but guess what? There were a lot of Sundays where he lost the intimidator, bro. Number three, fly high. I hold up three fingers on the third lap. You Still do not. <laughs> you do not. I mean, look, look at that. Don't, face. I don't, don't, look at that mustache. That mustache. I don't even know that you can have that in a handful of states these days. That That's guy doesn't crazy. lose anything. Well, don't make that. Don't, don't. I'm, <laughs> I'm not making a joke. I don't. love the guy. I love the guy. I'm not making the joke. All right. I did. No, see, you put that on me. I didn't even insinuate. I saw the wheel. I know where you were insinuating. I saw where you were about to go. I think you led me to water and forced me to drink. Yeah, Gary, that's the thing, man. I mean, and here's the deal. If you think that we're doing this, not we, but anybody. Well, I don't know. I don't know what other people's motivation is, but if you think it's all about clickbait and it's just trying to get... We've written like a story about this, one or two. We we could be pumping stuff out every single I, day, but that's not 
I tried to tell people like it's it's clear we look at the numbers and it's clear that when you put out a salacious Jim Harbaugh story that people click it and want to read it. And if Brandon and I wanted to, we would be pumping out Jim Harbaugh shit all day, every day, because it's all we hear are rumors. But at the end of the day, people lose credibility when you do that. Oh, when you continue to put out report that the deal's done that, you know, when you, when you do that week after week, you start to lose some credibility. So I think we've approached this the right way. We've reported on a couple of things we've heard. We've been very clear that we still think he's coming back, but also that there is still very real interest in the NFL and that it's, it's a possibility. And I think that's probably the best information that you're going to get. And we're not even insiders. We don't know shit. That's just looking at the situation. Yeah. Well, we know. I know, some, I know some stuff. We, the, we you, you sell us short a little bit on I that. I do. I do. I like to. I like to keep that image of not knowing shit. Here's the then deal. There's less accountability. Full disclosure. This is 100 full disclosure. Between Chris and I, we talk to former players, current players, parents of current players, parents of recruits, high school coaches, and several members of the Michigan staff. That's a Often. fact. That's a fact. Okay. It 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 irks me like a little bit when I see dumbasses on Twitter that are like Brandon Brown's an idiot, has zero sources. <laughs> I literally probably have a hundred people that I could send a text message to that I could try to get information from. We don't always get it. Like we might be very clear about that. True. People people steal the lips up pretty often. I mean, Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, they run a tight ship over there. They do, but there's a lot of people that we talk to that know stuff that's, you know, and, and in this particular instance, I've even lucked into a couple sources on the NFL side of things that I'm, I trust completely. So I just want to put that out there. I'm not trying to flex. I'm not trying to say we're better than anybody, but there, there's a small faction of people who thinks that only like one or two people in the Michigan market know anything. And that's Horseshit, <laughs> frankly. Humble brag. Yes. Thank okay, you. Okay, I have a question here. Mark Mark Hammond, are, are you are you dicking with us right now? Is that is that sarcasm or is that a real question? Do you think Harbaugh's coaching style could still be successful in the league? I mean, I yeah, I think so. I mean, like he has been out of the NFL for eight years. That's not like that's not nothing. But it's football. It's, it's football. And, and he runs an I think he still runs an NFL system at Michigan. I think the bigger question is does his does his style work at college at the, the collegiate two. level? And I think it took a long we weren't sure whether or not his style could work in today's college football. And get, and the crazy thing is he he got there with that style. Like this was yeah. not a like I know they made big plays, but this was not a spread, you know, high octane offense. And so I I certainly think he can succeed at the NFL level. And I also think I also think the games are closer to each other now than they've ever been. The NFL and college games, you've got you've got right. more running quarterbacks, you've got more RPO, you've got more option stuff in the NFL than ever before. Well, not ever before, but the two the two brands of football are actually pretty close now. They're not exactly the same. And you get you know, you got smaller rosters in the NFL, certainly more talent, more practice time, more schemes, more playbooks, but it's closer now than I feel like it's been in the past. And you know, they're kind of copycat leagues. You know, you, you see you see influences from both kind of flowing into one another. So long, long answer. I, yes, I think he'd be, fine. you know, <laughs> you know, whose coaching style isn't successful in the league. Urban Meyer. <laughs> the old the old Tweedledee. <laughs> his, his, his style is successful at the local bar. Massage the teat. <laughs> Get it. That's what he's doing right now. Uh, that boy is massaging teats on the that guy, rack. Dude. That guy wants to get back to college so bad. He yeah. can't get back fast enough. Man, that dude likes doing some stuff, doesn't he? He's just that guy. I mean, man, he can win some national championships. I'll give him that. Dude can win some natties, but he oh. is greasy. Chris, I'm just going to throw it out there. Let You, you do know what? what? I saw it. it. Throw his ass out of here. <laughs> throw his ass out. Gary Klein, see ya. Good luck. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mute Gary. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I pretty I didn't really realize this until recently, but Chris is like actually legitimate, solid, strong. Look, I'm gonna okay. Well, man. here's the thing. Here's the thing. I've never actually been to a race, so I'm not that strong. And I've heard that's incredible, I, I, by the I way. Like, I have heard it's an incredible experience. The crowd's a little bit iffy for me, but whatever. But when I was laid up in the bed with COVID for a week, NASCAR heat. 2021 got me through a lot of rough nights. And so I put together the championship season. I designed my car. 
you know, I was the throwback number to three. I was like, I was the guy who was going to rescue the legacy of Dale. I had this whole scenario play it out in my head. Honey, I'm about to play the Daytona. Bring me a diesel. <laughs> that's, what, that's what's going on for Chris. More Mountain Dew and Hungry Howie's. And by More the way, diesel. I saw somebody shitting on my Hungry Howie's purchase. I live out in the sticks. I don't have gourmet pizza options that will deliver to me out here. Okay. So it was like, you know, a little Howie bread, some Mountain Dew, dude. The body wants what the body wants. And my yeah. COVID body was saying, get some cheesy bread. So, all right, let's wrap it up real quick here. We're approaching an hour because good God, we're, I don't even know what we're talking about at this point. Basketball plays tonight at nine o'clock. That's right. That's right. See, my wife knows turning and burning, baby. Oh God, dude. <laughs> Gets her all hot and bothered when I come out of there all sweaty after I just won, like, the Brickyard 400. That's what the women want. For those of you who don't know, Chris is talking about a video, a NASCAR video game. Westworld, yes, of course. It's still difficult. It still requires breaking and coordination. All right, Michigan plays at Illinois at 9 o'clock tonight. The, uh, the Wolverines are a uh, 10-point underdog. From the sounds of it, they're still dealing with some COVID issues. They have obviously enough to play tonight. The NCAA requirement, I think, is seven players. Is that right? I, I could be wrong on that. Yeah, I'm not sure what the exact number I think it's going to be another L, man. I think it's going to be another L. I think you're going to be looking at a 7-7 seven and seven Michigan basketball. How do you feel about the Midnight me. Blue, though? How do you feel about the Midnight Blue, the blackish uniforms they're coming out with? Did you see those? I Am I, do I have an echo right now, by the way? Because I just got a phone call and that usually messes up my audio. Uh, anybody out there, let me know if it's screwed up. I'll, I'll fix it. Sounds, um, it. It sounds all right. But did you see the alternates? What do you think? Oh, so Brandon just go. So I guess I'll ask the people out there. You know, I, what, what, what do you guys think of the alternates? I saw people were like shitting on it because it looks black. I've always thought Michigan should roll out some black alternates. Every I, other program out there seems to do it. I don't even think they're alternates. I think that was just a tweet that was like, we're wearing our dark uniforms to get back on the road. And like, they didn't look, they're, they're, no, they're no different than their normal Navy sure? uniforms. I don't think they're any different. I was very confused by that tweet. They're not going to wear black. They should. And that's the point. That's the point. They should. They should have a black alternate, but that's a discussion for another day. That I think that would be horrible, dude. They'd end up looking like Iowa Excuse or me? Wichita or something. No, 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 no. No. Black well, and yellow? Michigan, like, what would that be? An alternate. A Man. murdered out night night rider alternate. That's see, look at see. Brandon, Brandon is at that cutoff where mm. he's just a little, a little bit too far removed from like the drip drip. No, dude. The, I got Michigan with in. black on. That's yes. weird. No, I I could get on board with gray. See, I don't. That's terrible. That's half of. That's fifty percent of what Ohio State's rocking. No, I'm not black trying to go gray. Black does not go with navy. There and wouldn't Michigan, be any navy. I, that's what. I, but you. I, no. No. Nope. I can't do it, man. I can't do black. I can't do black with Michigan's I, colors. Anyway. Uh, Michigan's playing Illinois. They're 10 point underdogs. I don't think they're going to win. I think you're going to be looking at a 500 basketball team here. I don't know exactly what kind of roster they're going to roll into champagne with, but I, I don't know if it matters. I really yeah. don't know if it matters. So, you know, that'll tip off here in about 35 minutes, just a little after nine o'clock. We'll have a story up on Wolverine digest afterwards about that. We'll have some of this up uh, here, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow. Um, Chris is putting together what, what give the, give the people a, a preview of that story you're putting together. You told me about it today. I was, so that's, I was, yeah. yeah. So that's the playoff of the conversation that we had what oh, was it, was it yesterday or two days ago where I, I, I listed out the top 10 most important returning Wolverines. And so that one, we'll put it into an article. If you didn't catch that show, um, you know, you can go to Wolverine digest, check that out. It's going to be riveting stuff. Riveting. I got thrown off by the Mike Elson hire. We were supposed to go with. We were supposed to do our lines for their schedule next year, and I forgot all about it. Got to roll it to Monday, brother. We'll come back. On. Yeah, it's like, not like we don't have enough time, right? I mean, we're just going to be talking about next year's schedule. So, yeah, I, I don't. I'm a. You know, I'm going to watch this game tonight. Obviously, I'll be looking for you know for things that stand out, and we'll see if you know you even you wonder how much they've even been able to practice because guys were out with COVID, and you had yeah. You know, a severely depleted roster. So I think it could be bad, man. And obviously Illinois has been shit talking for a long time. So that's not going to be good. 
We'll see, though, man. I mean, Michigan, at the end of the day, is a talented team. You've got one of the best players in the country in Hunter Dickinson, but it has not been pretty for the Wolverine Hoopers this year, and I think they're going to fall to 7-7. Seven and seven. I mean, do you, Chris, do you give them any shot in Champaign? I, I, I'll always give them a shot, but it doesn't look good, and you're right. I think <laughs> I think we're in store for a brutal season, and I'm trying to milk the teed of the football season as long as I can because we got to make that transition here. I don't know how I gotta I gotta try to <laughs> massage the teat a little bit. Massage the teat, dude. Uh that's a show. We'll call it a show right there. It's a Friday night. We didn't have a stocked group of people watching tonight. People are out doing stuff, having fun, man. Go do your thing. Watch this basketball game. Tune in for us tomorrow. Um, yeah, that that's about it, man. That's about it. So we'll be back on Monday. I mean, look, man, the way we've just we've decided that we might not do three shows a week, but if there keeps being stuff to be talked about like there was this week, then we'll keep doing it. So that's kind of where I'm at. What do you say? I, let's keep rolling. I mean, as long as Jar- Germ Harbaugh. See, that's what the sickness has done to me. As long as Jim Harbaugh keeps us hanging by a thread, yeah. I think we're going to have to keep doing shows. There you have it. All right, guys, we'll see you on Monday. Take care.